All right, welcome back to another episode of Get to the Point with Buddy and Seabear. It is Thursday, February the 16th. Uh, just got back from a, a nice little ski trip that we went on this past weekend. That's why we've been gone. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we got Super Bowl this past week. We got a little bit of golf stuff because we got a big name, the one that moves the needle coming and actually playing this week. Uh, college baseball is starting this weekend which I am absolutely pumped about. And speaking of college baseball, we got a really fun guest coming on later in the show. Uh, we got Aaron Downs. He's a, probably going to be the DH for Mississippi State. Uh, he's kind of a do-it-all kid from originally from Iowa, but he now lives uh, – he lived, moved to Columbus uh, to come get a little bit closer to Mississippi State. So it'll be fun. Seabear, uh, first of all, you've never skied before until this weekend. What were your thoughts? Um, number one thought, number one takeaway is don't go fast. Number two thought, I'm a lot better than I thought I would be. And I think a lot of people would say that. You did pretty good. Number three, buddy. Falling is not that bad. No, it's no. You just have to like get over like the idea of falling, going downhill. Like it's kind of scary, right? But you're gonna stop because the powder's gonna like the snow is so powdery, like it's gonna it's gonna catch you, and you're not going anywhere. Yeah, no, it's not bad. Once you get over being scared, you're fine. That's just like for me, going fast with nothing around me is kind of scary. But once you get the idea of like what you're doing, it becomes easier. It becomes like less of like worrying about what's gonna happen and worrying more like what am I doing right now? Yeah, you just gotta get the hang of it. It's not that bad. Uh, while we were on this trip, we got to sit there and watch the Super Bowl 57 with all our friends, which was a lot of fun. Seabear, uh, let's see. Who'd you have? Who was your who, who were you dead set on? The Chiefs. You I, had the Chiefs. I the couldn't Chiefs. even give it out on the pod because it was that big of a lot. Like, I had to make people pay for it. It was that big of a lot. <laughs> Chiefs ended up winning this game 38 to 35. Patrick Mahomes won the, his second Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he had three touchdown passes. Didn't throw for a whole lot of yards, but he didn't really need to. Uh, had a couple short fields, but he played really, really well, especially in the second half. See, Bear, we talk a lot about Mahomes and the receivers and the running backs and stuff, but I think the biggest group of this game was the Chiefs' offensive line. Zero sacks. Zero sacks. Against the, I think the Eagles front seven led the league in sacks all year. Uh, we're closing in on having the most sacks, I think, in the entire in NFL history in a single season. And they gave up a, not a single one. Kept Mahomes clean, who had been dealing with, um, obviously dealing with his ankle injury. He had a couple of setbacks during the game, but it wasn't enough to keep him from Finishing. But do you think about the times Patrick Mahomes has gone out in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl? He's always had a backup left tackle. Always. The times yeah. he's gone out in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, it was because of a backup left tackle. That just goes to show you, if that dude's protected, he is going to win. Plain and simple. Yeah, no, he had another really good game. Uh, 
he went, got to his guy early. He went to Travis Kelsey early, uh, caught a touchdown early in the game. Um, uh, just really just fed him early in the game, really got a lot of momentum and rhythm going. And that kind of really set the game to where they kind of did whatever they want to, especially in the second half, because I mean, they were down 10 at halftime. The Eagles played really well in the first half, but I mean, you can't ever count out Mahomes in the second half of any game. No, buddy, I want to talk a little bit about the betting night that I had. And you saying that the Eagles up by 10 made me think about it. I had the Chiefs to win the toss, the Chiefs to defer the toss, touchback, Eagles to score on their first possession, Eagles to get the ball first, Jalen Hurts' first touchdown score. Jalen Hurts' first touchdown score for the Eagles. Travis Kelsey, first touchdown score for the Kansas City Chiefs. 250 on the Chiefs to win, along with $100 on the Chiefs and a parlay over. Buddy, when I tell you I freaking cashed out this weekend, I cashed out. You had a good night. There was one thing you did get wrong, though. You didn't get the tail, you didn't get the coin flip right. I didn't get the coin flip right, and I wanted to go tails, buddy. I did. Everybody was riding tails, so why do you? That's why I had to go heads. Everybody's well, everybody, riding tails. I ride heads. Everybody was right. You had to be the one guy sitting off to your side that wasn't excited about it. But oh well. Chiefs still won the toss though. Chiefs won the toss. <laughs> uh, let's see. Pacheco had a really good game. This kid was a seventh round draft pick this year. He's a rookie. Uh, ran for like seventy six yards and a touchdown. You got you. You know it's really cool to be able to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl your rookie year. It's, that's awesome. To to score a touchdown and to be a key role player, we talked about him. Like, how are they going to use him with Elair coming back? They kept him in the backfield. They Elair kept, really didn't play. He didn't play much. They Pacheco was their guy from the beginning. Another thing, yeah. Buddy, Valdez Scantling didn't have one catch in the Super Bowl. He had one. He did target, absolutely no nothing. Catches. He did nothing. That just goes to show you how good Andy Reid's offense, like how good his the people around him and he is at scheming this offense. He had the offense schemed up without Valdez Scantling playing, and that's obvious because he yeah. didn't, he did not do a thing. No, he didn't. All right, so the uh, the Chiefs obviously played good enough to win. They won on a last second field goal by Harrison Bucker. Uh. Questionable call at the end of the game. What do you What do you think? Hold or no hold? What What do you, if you were a referee? What do you think you would have called? That point in the game, that situation, I haven't really been calling holdings or pass interferences all night. I don't throw it. I mean, technically, by the letter of the rule, it was a hold. He admitted Bradbury admitted a holding, but. Man, it's that's a tough spot to call it. And I understand that like I mean that's that's the way technically there was a flag and they should have been thrown. But it just it really sucks as a fan to sit there and watch the game end like that. But let's Well that that feeds into like this idea that the NFL's rigged, right, buddy? Yeah, the NFL is not It's not but rigged. That, that's that's the point like yeah, you have to understand that these referees are humans. They're not robots. So at that point in the game, I don't know if they're worried about situation as much as they are that's a hold. 
But I will say, buddy, and you watched the video because I showed it to you, that flag came about five seconds after the hold. The ball was coming down incomplete, and the flag came in. So I see every reason why you could say it's rigged. But if it was rigged, everybody would win money, and casinos would be non-existent. Not only that, but, like, your question really is, I mean, obviously it was a holding call. It wasn't pass interference, so there's no such thing as an uncatchable ball when there's a holding. But that ball was thrown 10 yards over his head. I don't think he gets to that ball if he, even if he just lets him go. I mean, because it was, you know, it was, it was in there between in front of five yards. So there's a lot of contact that can be made in that small area, but you can't hold anybody at the same time. But I just don't think he gets that ball no matter what. But since it was a holding call, it doesn't matter. My thing is, it's a pretty simple route, and we we called it we called it while we were watching, and we said it's either going to be man to man cover one before they even got in the offensive formation. This just situation. You're not going to drop in the zone in that situation. Yeah, it was third and, and nine, and with yeah. like what a minute and forty seconds left at the at the twenty yard line. Like you're not yeah. dropping in the zone. So no, you're playing man there. It was a pretty simple route. It was just a stutter go. And he just grabbed on this when he when he burst out of that stutter he grabbed and it, it he admitted to it being a penalty and that makes it like respect like I respect Bradbury for doing that man like you don't have to admit it you can you can ride the whole thing that it's rigged or whatever you wanted to yeah I don't know it's it's just really unfortunate the game ended like that because the Eagles played a really good game and not for them to not even have a chance at the end just kind of as a fan it was not the way you wanted to watch it in um at the same time you talk about it being rigged the Chiefs got screwed on a call early in the game where they called it uh that fumble that was picked up ran back for a touchdown they went back and called it incomplete it was really close he made three steps but he didn't make a football move is what they said uh which I don't think he did I think that that was probably the right call but at the same time, that rule is just so – it's so much gray area in there. You don't really know what the actual rule is. But I do want to talk about the Eagles for a second because Jalen Hurts played, in my opinion, a really, really good game. That's probably the best game he's played in a month and a half. However, he had one huge mistake. It was when he fumbled the ball um, right before the first half. And that really just kind of – because they were driving. They had a chance to – honestly make it a 17-point game at half to where they're looking like they're just going to be able to try to cruise and let that run game that they have kind of really run the clock out. But when they did that, that really it kept the Chiefs just in striking distance to where they were were not able to do that. And if you give Mahomes a chance, I mean, he's shown time and time again what he can do with that. That's I don't want to take anything away from Jalen Hurts and what he did in this game, nor do I want to take anything away from A.J. Brown. Because both of those guys put – they put the city of Philadelphia on their back in this game. And they played good enough to win. But like you said, buddy, you make a couple mistakes and a team like the Chiefs is going to count it, and you're done. Yeah. I think that – I mean, it was a situation where, yeah, you can say that people want to say that uh, the Eagles had the game stolen from them. They didn't. I think most of the guys on the Eagles would say that they did not play well enough to win that game. They played well enough to be in it and have a chance, but they didn't play necessarily well enough to win the game because they just made a few too many mistakes. It's also, in my opinion, an issue the fact that Jalen Hurts was a leading rusher on a team by over almost 50 yards. He had 15 carries. The next closest was Kenneth Gainwell with seven. Uh, and he only had 20 yards rushing. It's not really 
sustainable. Devontae Smith had a really good game, had a, had 100 yards receiving. A.J. Brown had that long touchdown catch that he had, and he had almost 100 yards. Uh, they had a lot of things go right, but at the end, their defense, as good as it has been, has well, just wasn't able to stop uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, like you mentioned earlier, buddy, the Chiefs went straight at Travis Kelsey and made the Eagles take him away on defense. When you do that, you're going to have to put some sort of hybrid safety walk down into the box to match up with him. Because you're basically, if you're not scheming for Travis Kelsey, you've got a linebacker matched up. If you are scheming for Travis Kelsey, you've got a walk, you've got a dog safety walk down in the in the box. If you have a walk, if you have a dog safety walk down in the box, you're one high, and the Eagles' defense is a two high defense. Yeah. So then they got torched over the top and had to go back to two high. When they went back to two high, they didn't go at Travis Kelsey. They ran the football. I mean, you look at that game. If you want to learn, if you want to know how to win a football game, call plays like Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something special to watch. Um, him and Eric Bieniemy have been just really, really good together. Uh, it's going to be tough he, to see Bieniemy take a head coaching job, which he's going to take at some point. And the head coach in Vegas, he's running out, and he still doesn't have a job. Uh, you've seen a bunch of stuff. Lately, some people are blaming Andy Reid for him not being able to have a job, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I haven't looked into it enough. However, there are they asked Andy Reid after the game um, if he was thought about retiring after this. He never he didn't say no. He kind of th- said that he has a lot of stuff to think about, which is could be a huge uh, talking point coming up. So there's your next question. If you're the Chiefs, is the enemy your next hire? If 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 Andy Reid leaves, absolutely. I think he has. I don't think to it's be. a question. I don't think it's a question. I, I, I agree with you. I think he has to be. So, I mean, you're going to have issues if you're the Chiefs being able to pay enough people. But they've been drafting well because I mean, just mainly because of the Mahomes contract, they're paying so paying him so much, and he deserves every bit of it. But. Uh, you got some guys getting older. Kelsey's getting older. He's not getting any younger, but he's still just at the top of his game. There's no question. Uh, but when you look at the Eagles, you have a couple of guys who are really, really important. They lose both of their coordinators, offensive and defensive, to, to head coaching jobs um, in the NFL. But you're still going to have Nick Sirianni. Jalen Hurts is probably going to sign an extension this year. And they say that Lane Johnson, I think, is going to come back, which would be huge. They, they really need him to come back because he's the best tackle in the league. And then if they were able to get Jason Kelsey to come back, then that's another huge get, another good keep because he's the best center in the league. I think the future is still bright for the Eagles. I think that Jalen Hurts is the guy, their guy, and I think he will probably get them back to make a run at this again, but man, it's so hard to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but the way they were talking after that game, they obviously they were visually upset, but it yeah. sounded like they were very confident in their ability to show back up in the Super Bowl and win it. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that, that they believe in themselves, but it just, I saw, you know, everybody just has kind of made it a given that Mahomes, now that he has two Super Bowls in five years and two Super Bowl MVPs, that he's going to end up winning 10 of them. But Dan Marino is sometimes considered one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He made the Super Bowl in his first year. 
And everybody assumed that he was just going to be doing this every year. He never made it back. So, I mean, it's so hard to get back to this game and especially to get back and actually have a legit chance of winning it. So I think the Eagles' future is still bright, but it's just it's, it's really unfortunate for them to have not come away with this game. The problem with the the problem with the Super Bowl thing, like picture, is the AFC quarterbacks. Right? You got Burrow, Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. If you're an NFC team, you got to you got to figure something out. Dude, think about this: Aaron Rodgers may or may not come back to Green Bay. I don't. Nobody knows what he's going to do. I think he's on some darkness retreat right now or something. It doesn't really matter. But say he leaves and goes to somewhere like, I don't know, the Jets or Vegas. That means he's in the AFC. That makes Jalen Hurts the best quarterback in the NFC. That's a good point. Which is wild to think about. That's a really good point. A year ago, we were talking whether or not he was going to be good enough to be the Eagles starter. Now he might be the best quarterback in the NFC. I want, I want to see who they hire as offense coordinator. Because if that offense yeah. has to take a setback, I think we're going to be talking again about Jalen Hurts might not be good enough in the NFL. Yeah, that's. I mean, that may be the truth. But uh, at the same time, at the same time, Nick Sirianni's called plays before. He knows how to do that. And if he had to, he'd be able to do it. I, I agree. But when Sirianni was calling plays last year, it was very run heavy. And when I say run heavy, I'm talking like power, zone read, counter. That's what they do anyway. They do That's a whole the best lot more pass run options. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that, that Sirianni was smart enough to be able to incorporate all that stuff. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I, yes, I agree. Because the touchdowns they scored on Gainwell was in a trap or some sort of power. Well, he didn't end up scoring, remember? <laughs> yeah, right, right. He got stopped about an inch short and gave Jalen Hurts another touchdown. Because Jalen Hurts ended up with four touchdowns in the game, which is nuts. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's unfortunate they didn't get a chance to win this game. Uh, But I think that they'll be back in the playoffs next year with another good chance of making a run at it. So, buddy, who's the top NFC team other than the Eagles? You can't really name one. Well, you still have the 49ers because they're still a, a great team, but you just don't really know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Because of that, you can't say that they're on the same level as the Eagles. Uh, but, I mean, the Vikings are going to be good, but you just don't really trust them. I don't believe in the Giants. I really don't. Uh, the Cowboys are just such a huge question mark. So, I mean, the Eagles look at the moment like they have a good chance to get back to the Super Bowl next year, but a lot can change over the course of free agency in the summer and before you get to next season. But I don't know. What do you think? I was I was just – my first thought is if Kirk Cousins can become any sort of clutch outside of 1 p.m. football games on Sunday afternoons that don't mean anything – We could we could possibly see the Vikings do something because that dude their receiving core is dirty. Their running backs are dirty. Their defense is dirty. Kurt Cousins just constantly finds a way to screw things up. I mean, you say that, but it's not like this dude's in his year two or three. He's in year what ten, eleven. He's been doing it for a decade. So why are we expecting him to do something different now? 
very I good don't. point. I, I mean, you're, you're right. You can't expect them to do anything different, but you, you always have that thought, like, what if? Here's somebody to watch out for next year, in my opinion. Now, a lot of stuff has to still happen because no, none of the trades have been made yet or anything. If Derek Carr, I know you don't like him, if Derek Carr goes to Carolina, Carolina then becomes the favorite probably to win the NFC South next year because the NFC South is a train wreck at the moment. With Frank Reich as, Frank Reich as the head coach, it wouldn't surprise me for them to go and beat the winner of the NFC South next year and have a chance to make a run at it. I know you don't like Derek Carr, but I, I mean, there's, I a lot of tra- there's a lot of trade a lot of trade talks right now talk about he might be going to Carolina, but I don't know. We'll see. So Derek Carr, uh, we can compare Derek Carr to Dak Prescott because I'm also a huge Dak Prescott critic. If you put him in a pro-style offense where you're pretty run-heavy, a Frank Reich offense, he could be effective with his arm. But when you just sit back and ask him to throw 45, 50 times a game, he does the stupid stuff that I'm talking about that makes Derek Carr unbearable to watch you say that but how many times did you watch Derek Carr at all this year did you go and look up the numbers that he has because if you go look up the, if you go look up the numbers he threw for a ton of yards he did a lot with nothing this year their defense was the worst defense in the league and he still I mean he played really well he had a lot of game-winning drives remember all the crap that he had to deal with last year whether it was his John Gruden getting fired it was Henry Ruggs, their first-round pick, killing a guy in a car wreck. Um, and then he still found a way to make the playoffs in the hardest division in all of football. I'm saying I don't think Derek Carr is as bad as you think he is, but I'm saying that I don't know. I like Derek Carr. I, I think what I – when there's a, a situation – where the Raiders, like, or they're down two touchdowns, right? Yeah. And Derek Carr gets to a point where he almost forces passes. Now, Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl was forcing passes, but he was throwing absolute seed dots. When you're not throwing dots and you're not throwing seeds, you can't afford to do stupid. And Derek Carr doesn't have the arm talent to do stupid. That's basically what I'm saying. I mean, I understand, but he's got he's got a good. I don't know. He's not terrible. I mean, sh- I, no, I, he's I not. He's not terrible. You I do a dog on him a little bit, but I just yeah, don't like to. I know it's on. I understand. All right, so I guess that's about it for the Super Bowl and football. I want to talk about golf for a second. Uh, we talked. We briefly talked about it this past week. Uh, you had the WM Phoenix Open, like we talked about our favorite term of the year. Scotty Sheffer was defending. Uh, the dude, all he does is go and win it again. He shot 19 under in four days. Uh, he's now won six times in the last, since that time, since that tournament last year. Uh, I believe he's right there close to number one in the world. I think Rory still has that somehow. Um, see, here, that was a $20 million purse. They don't That's have that ever, majors. Uh, not the biggest one ever, but I think it is one of the biggest ones ever in the like the regular season because the playoffs they have insane amount. But Scotty Sheffer won uh, in four days of work, made three point six million dollars. Can't turn your nose up at that. 
No, I, I mean, Nick Taylor came in second and won more money than anybody did last year except in majors in 2.2 million. I mean, it's. You got to love that. That's, that's one thing where I think you the PGA PGA Tour guys can thank the Live Golf because that drove them to have higher prices because they kind of had to to be able to compete with it. Um, so that the WM Phoenix Open was last week. The Genesis Invitational is this week. Two years ago this week was when this is Tiger's tournament. He hosts this tournament. He had that car wreck where he almost lost his life almost lost his leg, uh, was really, really questionable whether or not he would ever play golf again. This is – I mean, he's already fought back for so much after the back surgeries and all that stuff, but then this happens, and it was like, okay, I don't know he'll ever play again. Ended up playing in the Masters last year, made the cut, played in the PGA tournament, PGA Championship, but he had to withdraw after Saturday's round because he was hurt. Um, then he – let's see, he played in the, the Open – but he didn't. He missed the cut there, so it kind of really was questionable whether or not he would play in any more tournaments besides, uh, I guess, majors. Tiger Woods announced earlier this week that, or last week, that he will be playing this week at Riviera, which this is the first non-major that Tiger has played in since I think November of 2020 in the Zozo. This is a huge deal for the game of golf, in my opinion, because it kind of is like, and I think this is a huge week for Tiger too. So, Seabear, if you are Tiger, who said in the week earlier this week in an interview that his main goal, he wouldn't be here if he doesn't think he can win. I don't know how realistic that is. What do you think a realistic goal for Tiger to walk away from this week feeling good about it would be? Be able to play golf for two days and not having to quit. Seriously. I think think two days is – I think he's got that, but – I mean, he don't have four days. He don't have. He, he does not have. What is that? I don't. I don't, I don't know how to do math. It's it's uh, seventy two, seventy two holes. Okay. But I, I don't think that he would play in this if he didn't think he can make it all four days. Uh, buddy, you want me to tell you if I had to bet on this tournament, what I would bet on? That he misses the cut. Minus two hundred, he misses the cut. Is that what this is? That's juice. That's I mean, you're you're laying two dollars to win a dollar, but I, I mean, I'll lay I'll lay some. I'll probably put twenty five fifty on that. I don't know, man. I I think that Tiger. Uh, there's if it was anybody else in the entire world of golf that was playing this, I would say, yeah, no, he's not making the cut. But this is Tiger freaking Woods. He won a major after having a bunch of back surgeries. He played four rounds of golf at Augusta 15 months after having a car crash and almost made him lose his legs. I think the question is not whether or not he can make it all four days because this is a relatively easy golf course to walk outside of the first hole and the 18th hole where you have to walk up and down a pretty steep hill. It's a pretty flat golf course, so I think that that would be beneficial to him. I think it's not a question whether or not he can make it four days. I think it's a question of whether or not he can make the cut. Uh, uh, yeah. What do you think the cut's going to be set at? It's usually, what, two over par, three over par? Well, I mean, it, it just depends on how everybody's playing. This is another right. one of those elevated tournaments, so the purse is $20 million again for this, so that's going to bring all of the top players in the world here. So it's going to be a little bit harder to make the cut, and that may be somebody that goes out and shoots something really low that bring, brings that cut a little bit hard, harder to get to. I think that if he's somewhere around par, 
maybe one or two under, then I think he'll make it. But I, I think that if he get if if he can get within somewhat striking distance going into the weekend, it would not shock me for him to play really well this weekend and not necessarily win. I don't think he's I don't think winning's very realistic to I mean he in his mind it is. But to me I don't think it is. If he can finish at like a top twenty or top twenty five, I think that would be massive for him and if him play all four days. He's his his most important round of the weekend is going to be Friday. It is because not only that, his tee times are late, early, which for him is not necessarily good. The last few terms he's played in, he's been going early, late, which gives him. I mean, he has time to wake up before Thursday's round and do all the stuff he has to do. I mean, he, I've, I've heard stuff where it says it takes him like eight hours to be ready for a round just because all the back stuff and all the stretching and all that stuff. And that was before he did all this stuff to his legs, but he will have, he'll go off late on to on Thursday and go off early on Friday, which means that he'll have to recover quicker. So I don't know how much that's going to help him. Uh, but I mean, if he can play well on Thursday, then he might have a really legit chance to try to make a cut on Friday and maybe even get involved in this tournament. If he's sitting at, if he's sitting after Thursday, if he's sitting at even par, he's just, he has to, he, like you said, he's just got to go out and shoot even par. If you're at even, you're, you're probably going to make the cut. If you're, if you're at two over three over after Thursday's round, Friday is going to be tough, man. Yeah. I mean, we saw last time we saw him was the match back in November and he swung it well. Uh, now he was in a cart, so he wasn't walking 72 holes, but, um, he did really, he, his swing looks really good. He says that he's feeling like he can hit the shots. It's just whether or not he has the stamina to make it. So we will see. I'm interested to see. Nobody moves the needle like Tiger Woods. He is the needle in, in, in the world of golf. Um, so I think a lot of more eyes are going to be on this tournament than they would if he would not have announced that he was playing. Well, I think honestly, what hurts Tiger a lot in this, and you you nailed it, he is the needle that moves golf. So now all these, and I say pros that are playing that are better than Tiger. I mean they're just right now they're better than Tiger. I'm not saying that Tiger's not the goat. He's obviously the goat. Yeah. But right now they're better than Tiger. Yeah. No. I mean he's getting older. He's like 45 now. So I mean, so it's, it's kind of much, tough, with a, right? Yeah. He's competing against kids that are half his age. I mean, it's not, he, that's not an easy thing to do. And those kids, like you think about the, uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, the twenty-year-old. Oh, I can't think about. of his name. I can't think of his name, but it doesn't matter. But you're playing against kids like that are going to be juiced up to be on the same course as Tiger Woods. The, what's the, the kid's name that said he was really excited to play on the same course as Tiger? I don't remember. Um, you get Tiger's, what I'm saying. They're going to be juiced to play. I tell you what, Tiger's group is absolutely freaking loaded. It's him, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas. Three of the, I mean, you have the goat, you have the number one player in the world, and one of the top and guys, Justin Thomas, who's a top ten player and who has been number one before. Um, it's going to be a great group right there. And another group like going right off after them is Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, and Colin Morikawa, which is loaded too. Uh, this is going to be a fun tournament to watch. However, Sea Bear, I probably won't be watching it. If you're not going to be watching the golf tournament, what are you going to be watching, buddy? College baseball, Sea Bear. 
College baseball starts this weekend. Uh, with that being said, I want to welcome in our second guest on the pod. Uh, today it is Aaron Downs. He is from Pella, Iowa. He's currently playing at Mississippi State, playing baseball. Uh, plays outfield, infield, DH, kind of does it all. Uh, Aaron, how are you today? Man, I'm good. Can't complain. Ready to start the season tomorrow. We're ready to roll, man. Right, that's awesome. Uh, let's see, you ended up graduating from Heritage Academy. You actually graduated a year before Cole, who we had on earlier mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, first of all, what was it like going from somewhere like Iowa to come down to Mississippi? Man, it was it was definitely a big culture shock whenever I came down here because the lifestyle is just so much different, man. I mean, the people are the people are awesome in both places, but it was so different when I moved. So I kind of got a little glimpse of it my sophomore year of high school. I moved down uh, to play summer ball with East Coast Sox and uh, live with a host family. Shout out to the Sykes family in Columbus. But uh, big I live Greg. with I, yeah, Big Greg, man. I lived with them that summer, my sophomore year, and then finally moved in after my junior year full-time. So that was definitely a, a big jump doing that without my parents for the rest of high school. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, you were you mentioned a little bit about playing with East Coast. Me and Buddy both played with East Coast. I imagine it was a little bit different experience seeing that uh, we didn't end up going D1. But uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about that experience, man. I know I got to play in World Wood Bat when I was like 16. And that was probably one of the funnest experiences I've had probably my entire life, man. So a little bit about that East Coast stuff, man. Just It's a two-month grind is all it really is, man. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a grind. Summer ball, it doesn't matter what level of summer ball you're playing, man. It's a grind through and through. And, like, if you have some awesome guys on your team and awesome coaches, like East Coast, I had a bunch of bunch of dudes on my team. So we were, we were having a good time. I got to – my first year at East Coast, I stayed two weeks in Atlanta playing in the World Wood Bat. So – we had a good old time. A bunch of guys that I played with at Mississippi State uh, were on my team, so it was it was awesome being with them and just hanging out, man, playing ball all summer long. Yeah, it, it's definitely a wear and tear on your body mentally and emotionally, but it's a good time. Yeah, no doubt. It definitely kind of builds you up mentally and physically. Um, Collins mentioned that you're now playing D1, so it's a little different. Collins, it was a little different. He was number three recruit coming out of high school in the state of Mississippi. I don't even know. I don't think we were ranked anything. Um, actually, the, uh, looked it up. He said you were the 69th ranked, uh, high school MLB draft, according to Baseball America. Was there any ever, ever a consideration of going the draft out of high school? Man, I had, it was, uh, I won't, I won't say the name of the guy who I was talking to, but there was a team that called me probably two weeks before the draft when I was in high school. And man, I had, before I moved to Mississippi, I had a, like a bad ankle injury and kind of, kind of got away from, I don't really know. It's hard to explain, but I kind of got a little messed up, kind of got away from what I used to be. I put some pounds on, kind of, it just was hard, man. And uh, I got a call about two weeks before uh, before the draft, and he's like, hey, would you uh, you want to get drafted? And I was like, like I don't know. I kind of want to go play college ball um, at Mississippi State and uh, see where that takes me. So. Yeah, man, you talked about the injury in high school, and I had no idea you had an ankle injury. And uh, but everybody knew who you were coming into in around here, right? So mm-hmm. when we were coming up in high school, it was a little bit different. Like none of that stuff happened. Now Stalwell Academy is getting kids. Now Heritage is getting kids. Like mm-hmm. 
when we were in school, and I'm not saying this to just gas us up, we were beating the tar out of Starville and Heritage. Like, that yeah. just is what it is. And then come to find out two years later, y'all are pulling, or Heritage is pulling kids, Starville's pulling kids to just build something. So yeah. it was a really cool experience. But I say that you came in and the scouting report on you was struggles with the off-speed stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle with the slider curveball. How did you make that adjustment? Because when I watched you, I didn't see you struggle with the curveball. So, I mean, maybe it was just he said, she said stuff, but how did you make that adjustment if you made the adjustment? Man, the biggest thing for me, like those last couple years of uh, of high school ball when I was struggling, um, it was kind of just all about approach, man. Like getting to talk to – when I was at my high school in Iowa, we really – I mean, I didn't really have – like amazing coaching. I had good coaching, but I didn't have guys telling me about approach and stuff like that. When I got to Heritage, I started talking to uh, one of the pitching coaches that worked there. He played at Alabama and uh, Coach Ball over there at Heritage, and he was telling me all about approach and stuff. And, man, the biggest thing for me was, like, just seeing it. Like, I had enough trust and faith in my hands, like, that they can get there. But if I could just trust my hands to get there and just pick the fastball up and time the fastball and just – hold back tight on off speed, I was going to be just fine. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I remember. a lot of that is, a, is like a – like you said, it's an approach game, right? And so I'm a high school coach, junior high coach now, so I understand like where high school kids can get, get an approach like messed up in their heads. Like for some kids mm-hmm. when I tell them the best way to hit the curveball is to hit the fastball, they think I swing at every fastball. And for some kids when I tell them the idea is to change the score, the situation changes but you're trying to change the score. Yep. They're just going to go up there and take daddy hacks after daddy hack after daddy yep. hack. But, no, yeah, I remember whenever um, I think it was your senior year at Heritage, I talked to you at one of the football games, and you were talking about how you had kind of struggled a little bit in the summer, but you had told me how you were trying to get more technical. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I told you that, honestly, you were a damn good player because of what you've done up to that point and try to just get back to what to you yeah. and that. I mean, I feel like – I don't know if you ever even listened to me, but I know you had a good senior year. Um, you had a pretty solid year this past year. I will say, whenever you came to Mississippi, uh, you were originally committed to Louisville. That's right. Um, then you decommitted from there, uh, had a couple offers from different schools. But what ended up making you choose Mississippi State? Man, the biggest thing – the biggest thing was pretty much living – living in Columbus, man, 30 minutes away from Starkville. Um, knowing a bunch of guys over there, having that – I had a relationship that I built early in high school with, with uh, Coach Gotro, and that relationship never really ended. And uh, just the people, man. And I was looking through my text messages the other day with my mom, and I was committed to – I can't say this, but I was uh, I was committed to Louisville at the time. And I, uh, I sent her a picture. I was at a scrimmage uh, with the Sykes family. And uh, we may have to cut some of this out because I got in trouble last year. I'll tell you on that story later. But uh, <laughs> but I was sitting at a scrimmage. I think it was back in 2019. I sent her a picture, committed to Louisville. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play at Mississippi State." And uh, the rest is history, man. Well, I know I'm damn glad you decided to go to Mississippi State. <laughs> I know I am at least. Buddy might not be. Uh, he might be a little hey, pissed look, off. But I'm happy. Look. The, no, he always, Buddy always tried to tell me to go to Ole Miss, man. Of course I did. Sorry. You were with me. The, you were with me the week before you decommitted from Louisville, I watching know. Ole Miss beat Louisville. So I, was sitting, I like, know. Yeah. I was wearing that daggum Louisville sweatshirt at the game too. 
I know it was. I remember it was cold that damn game. It was cold. I was we trying, I was trying to work on it. I know. Hey, I had. Hey, we were the winning side, so I don't really know what else y'all can say. Hey, but, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't see me over there at uh at the football stadium uh at Ole Miss last year. I had an Ole Miss polo on. My Fred Ogier face. Yeah, I'm luckily no one got a picture of it. We might actually definitely have to cut this part. <laughs> no, definitely. Oh man, man. Um, so last year on the staff, you had Landon Sims, an yep. absolute unit. Did you ever have to face him in the fall last year? Like that's your freshman year, man. Like I don't think I can't remember. I think. No, we had an indoor scrimmage one day in the Palmero, and you can't see nothing in there. Mm-mm. I think I faced yeah. him in there, and he struck me out on three pitches or something like that. But I can't, I can't remember facing him because I was hurt quite a bit last uh, when I first got here. Like when I first got here, my freshman year, I had elbow surgery too, um, so I had to, I had a little late, late start into the fall. So, so. Talking about Landon Sims, he obviously went down with a uh, torn UCL last year. Um, mm-hmm. And y'all struggled more than, I mean, most people would expect. You're coming af- off of a national championship. Um, you had a lot of guys go down. It was really kind of an unfortunate situation. But obviously didn't finish the way that you wanted to last year. But got a lot of new guys coming in. Got some other got some guys returning that have been in playing big games before. Uh I'm assuming that everybody in Starville is expecting a bounce back year this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, they're expecting definitely big things. Definitely a lot of we play a lot of games at home this year, so they're expecting a lot of uh, the dogs win again, flash across the board <laughs> out there. Um, but man, if I I know we're gonna have a good year. I know we uh, we're a super tight knit team this year, and uh, everything's gonna go good, man. We're gonna compete our tails off every day and focus one day at a time. So that leads into a little bit of my next question. Y'all got some new faces in the locker room, some guys coming in, transfer portal, some freshmen that I think can make a good impact on the team. So mm-hmm. has the dynamic in the locker room changed any since that last year? Maybe one of those guys, those transfer guys is a leader on the team now or a freshman that comes in the locker room every day just bringing the juice. Like is there a, a two, maybe two or three specific guys that you can think of? Man, there's – there's so many different guys. We have so many different personalities that come with the team. Like we got guys, a freshman who's going to be a baller within the next few years. He's already a baller. His name's Dakota Jordan. He's he's going to be really good for us this year. Um, another guy that brings amazing energy to the the clubhouse is Will Hoyle. He's a transfer from Duke. He's a he's a funny cat. Um, Casey Hunt's another one. He's a, he's hilarious. Kellum Clark. He's a you may not think it, but he's he's one of the funniest guys, one of the loudest guys too. Um, but yeah, there's a couple right there. Well, that's kind of like a good thing. You get, like we said, you got some new guys in, but you also have the old guys, and you kind of, like you just said, um, sounds like y'all were all gelling. All the new guys, the guys that have mm-hmm. been there, guys that have come in from transfers, yeah. which is obviously it's a key thing because I mean it's, this is it's a long season. I mean we're starting tomorrow. We don't finish. I mean, obviously, the goal is not to finish until the end of June. So, I mean, that's a long stretch, and you got to really be tight. Or a lot of things can go wrong quickly, especially in the SEC, because y'all are going. Y'all have a brutal conference sketch. I mean, schedule. Mm-hmm. But no, I think I'm fully expecting y'all to um, 
have a good year this year. Uh, but if what series are you most looking forward to this year? Just the first one, man. It don't matter. This first one coming up. That's what I'm looking forward to. This one tomorrow. That's all that matters to me right now. That's we just a had a, we just had a meeting, man, like about about three hours ago, and we uh, we got this we got this shirt that we have after every win, and uh, Coach Simone kept telling us he's like, hey, just focus on this game, this moment. The biggest thing that we've been the biggest thing we've been talking about this year is just focus on the moment, focus on each other, and good things will happen. Yeah, man, we we talked with Cole a little bit about it, just like your mindset and how you don't want to be perfect, but you want to live up to your expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And so with a couple of high school kids, I, we, I'll just talk about it. We had a catcher in, this, in the first game. He hadn't caught in uh, five years in a game. But the kid's uber talented. He's committed to William Carey. He's, he's, got a really, he's got really good pieces. But his big thing in the game was slowing himself down. And I just had to tell him in practice all day. I said, dude, you're a kid playing baseball. When you were eight years old, when you walked on the field, that excitement that you felt, whether it was to get a Capri Sun after the game and an orange pack, like whatever it was, you were excited to be there. So don't ever get caught up in the situation of where you are now. You're still a kid playing baseball. And that's, yeah. uh, for me, that's like the most important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about one of the pitchers that y'all have this year. Um, there's two questions I have to this. It's Durangelo. First of all, how do you say his last name? It's Durangelo Sancha. Sancha? Sancha. Okay. Well, that sounds a lot different than the way it looks. Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy, man. He's, a, yeah, we, he is a, he's not from this planet. That's what I was, that was my next question is, what have you faced him and what's it like seeing yeah. that? I, I've faced him. I've faced his right-handed side. He throws a little harder from the right-handed side. And uh, off-speed's pretty good. Fastball's elite. He had we had uh, I faced him I think last weekend. He threw, I think he went slider slider and then backed me up with a fastball at like ninety five and then backed me up with another fastball at ninety five and swung I swung right through it. Um, but it's just it's crazy. You don't see stuff like that ever where a guy's just throwing right handed and flips it throwing with the left hand at like he's elite man speaking four plus languages fluently too like. Jeez, super, that's impressive. Super smart. He got dra- I'm pretty sure if correct me if I'm wrong, he got drafted as a shortstop last year too. Wow. So, yeah, he's he he was hitting a little bit in the fall too. So he uh switch hitter. He he got some <laughs> he he's it's crazy. So he's just you know, a freak athlete. Yeah. You know how you you know, you're growing up and you always say like God created all people equal. No, nah, he didn't create him equal. <laughs> exactly, bro. You look at him and you're like, okay, somebody lied to me. Yeah, like that. yeah exactly. <laughs> you, know, you said a little bit about Dakota Jordan, and uh, I actually showed Buddy. There's a little clip of the uh, Saturday, Sunday scrimmage y'all had, and Dakota Jordan got to go up against Durangelo, and uh, Durangelo just backed him up with a fastball, and Dakota Jordan swung right through it. I showed it to Buddy, and I was like, this kid hitting is the freaking truth. I'm telling you. He goes, oh, he swung through a fastball. Like, yeah, it's 95. Nice. He's going to swing through it. Yeah, he uh, he's a freak, man. He don't know how strong he is. Like we'll be lifting some days, and he'll be put, he'll be picking up the house, and uh, and then he'll be hitting balls. I'm 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 in his group for BP, and like we're hitting today, and he just tears the cover off the baseball, man. We got some guys that can really 
hit the cover off the ball. His hands. His hands. They're, they're lightning oh, quick. They are not of this world, man. I'm telling you, that no. dude can let that dude can let ninety six in on his hands and still got enough barrel to it to in, inside out it. Like he is dude, unbelievable. He, he looks like an NFL running back too, and he can fly. His legs he are sp- built. They are massive. He was supposed to play football here too, but at the last uh, last couple of weeks, he decided to just play baseball before Thank he got here. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. From what I've heard from the fall and the spring, I'm thinking he's probably made the right choice, and he's probably going to make a lot of money one day. Yeah, um, he will. He definitely will. Yeah. All right. So. When you left Iowa, you were committed to Louisville, ended up decommitting going to Mississippi State. Did you ever think about staying and going to school in the state of Iowa? Uh, no, man. I just I, – I grew up there, and I I was buddies with a bunch of guys that played at the University of Iowa, and just – I just never saw myself playing up there, man. Like, I had a bunch of guys, like – if you know who Ian Moeller is, he went – he was in my class, got drafted as a catcher. He was committed to LSU. Another guy named Carter Baumler, he got drafted in the third round probably three years ago. He's uh, He was a pitcher that I played with, got drafted by the Orioles. They were all – he was committed to TCU. They were all going to schools down south, so I started, like, looking at schools down south. And as soon as I moved down there to play baseball, man, I never looked back. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing like the south, and especially the SEC when it comes to baseball. Yeah, that's uh, right. Let's see, it's what, six out of the top ten are in the SEC? and. There's maybe mm-hmm. more. I don't know. It's uh, there's know. It's, it's, there's people playing baseball in the state of Mississippi, man. Like you can say the southeast, and you can look around. Like Georgia's a big state for baseball. Florida's obviously a big state. Texas huge. Tennessee's pretty big now. But Mississippi, man, there are some kids playing some straight up baseball down here. And I, a lot of the time, I feel like we don't get the respect that as as an ex Mississippi athlete, we didn't get the respect we deserved nationally because we were in Mississippi. Man, I was talking to somebody the other day about it. When you when you really sit down and look at like Mississippi State won a national title in twenty one, Ole Miss won in twenty two, and then did Pearl River win in twenty one as well? They, Is that right? The, yeah. They won this past year, I think. Yeah, and then you got to think about Delta State's always really good. Yeah, uh, you got like, about three or four more JUCOs that are really good. Southern mm-hmm. Miss is always really good. Yeah, um, hey, there's so much talent here, man, and people don't even think about it. No, they don't. It's it's an easy state to look over with athletics and Mississippi. It's we talk about it with um with football a lot, right? In the Super Bowl, there was kids from Starkville, kids from Houston, like just in this area locally, within an hour from Starkville, right? So, a little bit to get back into that SEC field. You had some you had some experiences last year in some SEC ballparks. You're going to have some experiences this year with going to Arkansas and going to Tennessee. Um, just one of those, and you already said this conference or this next series is the one I'm looking forward to. So I'm going to ask you, if you had to pick three SEC ballparks to go Yabo in, which ones are you going with? Go Yabo in? Man. Mm -hmm. Man, we get to play at LSU this year, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, We played at Arkansas last year. Arkansas is a dope park. Um, Who else? A&M. A&M's sick. We played there last year. I'd say I'd say Arkansas, LSU, and A and M. Man, those would be my top three. So I'd like to hit one in front of Knoxville and just give them the bird run around the bases. <laughs> yeah, I would. I heard that ball flies out there. I heard it's a little trampoline park. That's yeah, why that's they what, had that's it. What man. You're going to get them 150 home runs. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I saw something on Twitter earlier today, and uh, you're from Iowa. You know Calvin Harris at Ole Miss is also from yep. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Chatagnier tweeted out earlier today that Calvin Harris says that Iowa is is in the Midwest. P- other people disagree. You're from Iowa. Is Iowa in the Midwest? It's in the Midwest. Where I don't, I don't understand. Where else would it be? That's what I don't <laughs> understand either. But hold I mean, on. It, hold, hold on. Peyton said it wasn't in the Midwest, or Calvin said it wasn't in the Midwest. Peyton said it wasn't, and Calvin said it was. Obviously, okay. he's from Pey- Iowa. So Peyton's from Texas, it. right? Yes. <sighs> I mean, Cal- where Calvin's from, he's up there, dang near Chicago. He's up near Illinois, but that's all still. That's still the Midwest. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't either. I don't get it. I, like, I'll, have to, I'll, it to I'll talk to him about it. <laughs> that ain't no West. It's just straight north of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. They probably, what does he think it's just the North or something? I don't. I don't even understand where <laughs> where he's expecting it to be. I mean, it's right across. I mean, you would say that like Nebraska's the Midwest, and it's right next to Iowa. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't. Un- I don't understand. I just saw it and wanted to ask you about it. That's funny, man. I don't know. Just claim Mississippi and move on. Yeah, we're from the South now. (laughs) (laughs) We're from the dirty, dirty South, baby. So you got three spots in Starkville to go eat. You got three. Oh, this is tough. Price price don't matter. Price don't matter. Price don't matter. You can go wherever you want. I'm going top three or you want me to put them in order? I want you to. I want top. I want top three. Put them in order. Start at three and go to one. Ooh. All right. I'm going. I'm going Chipotle number one. Okay. That's why I eat. That's why I eat the most. I'm going Umi number two. And God, this is tough, man. We ask the hard hitting questions, I'm, brother. I'm probably <laughs> going Panda Express three, man. That's oh, that's I a heck of an answer. That's a heck of an answer right there, man. I'm going to give you some hate be, for that answer. You're going to have to strap in a little bit when you eat Panda Express. You're going to have to find somewhere no to doubt. get comfortable. But yeah. it's a great – It's a great. I mean, you can't go wrong. Orange chicken, sesame chicken, the little shrimp they have, all of it's fire. Can't beat it, man. Um, all right, so y'all open up tomorrow against VMI. Y'all play at three, mm-hmm. right? Play at three. Uh, are we going to be in the lineup? Do we know, dude? I, I don't know yet. We, I, I have no idea. Like, uh, that's a, it's, it's a great thing that we have so many, so much depth in each position. Um, but last year, so kind of going back to what we were talking about with the, I told you I had that little suspension deal where I had to sit out the first six games of the season. Um, that was because I lived with a with a donor, and then finally we were playing Northern Kentucky last year, and I didn't find I find out that I was starting in right field until I got to the ballpark that day and like was going to take BP. I looked at the schedule and then had the lineup on there. So I probably Dude, didn't go until like four that game. I went two for four had uh, the first hit. First hit was a single and then a double. So, but yeah, but uh, he don't, he don't tell you unless like right when you get there. So yeah, you no, I, fi- I figured that, but just the, so there's two different mindsets you can have with that with that type of situation. You can be the guy that that worries. Am I going to be in the starting lineup? If I if I'm in the starting lineup, am I prepared? Am I prepared enough to be in there? 
or the guy that just says, if I'm in there, I'm going to perform. If I'm not, I'm just going to cheer the fellas on. So yeah. it's tough for the, for the kid that's in the mindset, like, have I prepared enough? That's usually, and I would, I would say you're going to agree with me here. That's usually the kid that's never going to get the nod, right? Yeah. You, you need to be in college. It's always the next man up mentality. So if you're not prepared to go up, if you're not prepared to be the next man up, then you're definitely not going to be. And it shows at practice, man. So how, how hard has it been to, to see those guys that are those guys and to, to guide them into a direction, like a more positive direction? Yeah, definitely. They, uh, it's hard. It's hard watching them do that because all they want to do is be like, hey, man, like, I want to start today. But when they really haven't proven anything, you know, like I was kind of I was kind of in that boat last year where I come in and we had a bunch of outfielders last year and I came in as a third baseman. Didn't really know my role uh, right out of the gate. Um, didn't know if I was going to fit into the lineup starting day one. And and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm it doesn't matter. I kind of learned over time just talking with other guys on the team. Um, it doesn't matter what my role is. I'm just going to give them all that practice and uh, just wherever they need me, whether it's pinch hitting that day, DHing or playing right or left field, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And that's it. I'm just going to compete for it. So yeah, that's like you said, whether, you, yeah, like whether you said, whether you're starting or whether you're the fifth guy on the depth chart in your position, man, like you just got to try and be the, like, it's cliche saying it, but you got to be the best teammate you can every single like, day. You're right. Well, that's, that's where that, that's where that, um, the older guys that have been there, been through it, that's where they really come in and really help, um, kind of hold a team together. Cause a lot of times it's mm-hmm. mainly the young guys and new ones that haven't really been through it, uh, that are kind of like, well, why am I not getting in? Why is somebody else playing over me when I can do just as much as they can? Uh, but that's when those old guys kind of step in and really kind of make it to where y'all have to jail. Cause that's what's the most important thing when it comes down to it. And it all really ends up being who, who's hot at the right time. Uh, so everybody's been on that team, whether it be like summer, high school, college, where there's always the kid that's sitting on the bench, mumbling under his breath. I should be the one playing. I should be the one doing this. Coach doesn't like me. Coach don't whatever. That dude will rip your locker room apart because when he goes to the hotel room, he's telling four people that he's rooming with whatever he thinks. And if he can, Mm -hmm. if he can manipulate four people, four people can manipulate half the team. Yeah. And then you're in a position to where you none of y'all can be successful because you're all worried about what the next person thinks or what it might be. It's tough, man. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely had that over the last several years of playing. Like there's there's all there's always gonna be one one or two guys that are like that, always thinking they deserve what they really don't. But you know, if you can if you can kind of shift their perspective into into being about the team rather than about themselves, you know, that's how you get a that's how you get a locker room changed, man. Like, like when you look at last year's, uh, I'm going to throw Notre Dame out. Like when you, when you look at their team last year, like they weren't the most talented team, but they no. like work so well together. And that's how they put that run together, man. You're right. right. So. Well, that, um, that national championship team, bro. Like it's funny you say that they weren't playing great baseball. They no. hit a, they hit a stretch and, it's baseball, man. It's all about who gets hot when you get hot. That's all. It, that's mm-hmm. all it's about in baseball. That's what we talked about yeah. in our intro to college baseball or whatever. We went through our top eight teams to go to the College World Series. 
those it's not like we know for a fact that it's not going to be those teams because we picked all top yeah. 25 teams. Like it's not going to happen. It's all about who gets hot and when they get hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so y'all play, like I said, y'all play VMI Virginia military Institute tomorrow at three o'clock. Uh, make sure you bundle up cause it is going to be cold. Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Seabar, you got anything else? Yeah, the dog's going to wrap that ass this weekend. You better damn believe it, son. They're going to do it, son. Ass. Come on. See, oh, man, you a dogs fan, man? You ain't a, you ain't a Rebel fan? Dude, what's, no. what's going on? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to have to move my whole computer. I'm going to damn do it. Just been talking, bro. Hold on. It's not hanging up. So you- He's what a Bulldogs you fan. He's a Bulldogs fan. <laughs> posters, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, he don't like he don't like the ribs, man. <laughs> Who are you talking? What? Are you, what? Who are you talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's, I think that's, probably, that's probably a good place to end it. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for coming on. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best this season. Good luck. Uh, go, just go ball out this weekend, especially. Uh, have a good weekend. Appreciate it for having me on, fellas. We talked a little bit about it with Aaron, but Mississippi State's going to be hosting VMI at home this uh, at home this weekend. I don't really, I'm not really concerned about VMI, and that's why I say this: Mississippi State is going to be able to hit the baseball. I think VMI's Friday and Saturday, and even their bullpen guys for Friday and Saturday are nowhere near equivalent to Mississippi State's Friday Saturday guys. So I just think Mississippi uh, State's going to shell them. I mean, that's what. This Mississippi State team needs to do that. Uh, that's what should happen. I mean, you're playing Virginia Military Institute. They don't, I didn't know they had a baseball team. I'm not trying to say you, just, you go in and disrespect them or anything, but that's just the truth. Um, you get – I mean, kind of like Aaron said, I mean, this this offense has been clicking lately. Uh, we will find out. I can't wait for tomorrow to get this thing rolling. Uh I wonder. I'm, I'm interested to see how the crowd's going to be for this weekend. I, buddy, that's a good question because you would think it's going to be a packed house just because it's Mississippi State opening weekend. But the season we had last year might lead you to assume that it's not going to be as as packed as the sixteen, seventeen thousand crowd you'd expect. I mean, you're not going to get fifteen thousand for a game against VMI, but I'm thinking close to ten, possibly. But the problem is, is and I said this. I think I said it to you. I said it to everybody. I said that it was going to be warm all week and month leading up to this this weekend. And then on Friday, as soon as the season starts, it's going to get cold. And I was right. The high tomorrow is like, I don't know, 45 and the lows in the upper 20s. So it's going to be freezing cold. Of course it is when baseball season starts. By the end of the weekend, it'll be nice. But uh, for an opening night game, state plays at three, so it's not like it's going to be that cold the whole day. But it's going to be it's going to be chilly. I don't know. I'm just I'm interested to see the kind of crowd that Mississippi State will have. I'm, I'm interested to see the type of crowd Ole Miss is going to have, buddy. I was just about to get there. I know that one person that will be in that crowd is me. I will <laughs> be there early. It is. We are doing a bunch of stuff for the. Um, National championship last year. Uh, they're revealing, I think, the the banner or whatever they put out there on the outfield wall. The goat himself, Tim Elko, was throwing out the first pitch. Um, 
Let's take let's before we get there, does he throw a strike? Yes or no? Buddy, it's Tim Elka. That doesn't mean anything. El- he didn't pitch. Tim Elka can throw a strike left handed. Do you know who Tim Elko is? This is the yes. man that carried the city of Oxford through the NCAA tournament. Yes, he did. You were correct. And I think he throws a strike too, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, we're playing Delaware. It should be another similar thing to the way that Mississippi State should handle business. But it's still, I mean, it's exciting because we get baseball back, and it's the first time we've ever been able to say we're defending national champions. So there might be a little bit of pressure there, but I think the crowd's going to be pretty good. I think that the fact that Ole Miss basketball is horrific is going to help that crowd because we've been begging for something else to come. Uh, I don't know if you saw it last weekend, but the right field, that you know, our student section out in right field had their um, their race to get chairs. There were people sitting outside in line on, I think, Tuesday afternoon. They sat in line from Tuesday until Friday afternoon so they could get their chairs first. It, they sat through a like a bad storm. I mean, we drove through it on Thursday night. You remember? Yeah, that they, they were out there in the outfield under tents just trying to get the first spot. So I think the students are fired up. I think the everybody around is fired up. The city of Oxford is going to be fired up because we're going to have something that can be positive away from basketball right now. Um, but, no, I'm, I'm expecting a pretty good crowd. I think it's going to be a fun weekend in Mississippi. And the reason I say that, buddy, Ole Miss defending national champions, Mississippi State has something to prove. And another Absolutely. team in South, in South Mississippi is Southern Miss, I think number 19 or 21 ranked team. I think in number the 19, I think, yeah has a really good Liberty team coming to Hattiesburg this weekend. So there's good baseball across the state this weekend. You're no doubt about it. Um, but, I mean, heck, if you go back and look, the state of Mississippi has been the epicenter of college baseball for the last two years. And I'm hoping it stays that way. Um, so we will see what happens. I do want to talk about a little bit more outside of the state of Mississippi. What are you looking for? What other series – Tournament, showdown, round robin, whatever you want to call it, are you looking forward to this week, opening weekend? There's only one, buddy. Honestly, there's only one that just like really you, jumps off the page at you, and that's the college baseball showdown because you've got number eight Arkansas, number nine Oklahoma State, number ten Vanderbilt, number fifteen TCU, and then you have unranked Texas and unranked Missouri, both really good baseball teams. Yep, that's going to be. In Arlington at Globe Life Field, uh, Ole Miss State played this a couple of years ago. And that was a, lot, a really good. It was a kickstart for Mississippi State winning the national championship. Actually, um, no, I think this is going to be a really interesting one to watch. I will say that if it is on Flow Sports like it was that time when Ole Miss and State were there, I would not even think about tuning into it because I can't listen to those god awful announcers for another second of my life. <laughs> It's been two years, and I'm still mad about that. <laughs> that must have been terrible, buddy, because I don't remember it. They were uh, they were the worst announcers I've ever heard. They got half of the names wrong. They couldn't pronounce anything. I think they got Ole Miss and Mississippi State mixed up a few times, which as Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans know how annoying that is. Very annoying. So... 
I don't know. Buddy, but do you remember um, every every Wednesday there's a or every week there's a YouTube TV MLB game or YouTube and it's just streamed. No, on it's YouTube uh, Apple. It's Apple Plus. Oh. Uh, or a- Apple TV or a- whatever so, that shit is. Do you know how you remember how bad that announcing is for those games? Uh, terrible. Uh, yeah, like the announcing for those games is by far the worst. I would rather just listen to the crowd. I don't have. I, I don't agree. Really want to listen to you talk, or just put like the local announcers on. Like they're already doing the game, and they're better. Most of those are better than any national coverage you're going to get. That's a really good point. Radio, let's, buddy. You know what we should do right now? What should we do? We should start a petition for radio announcers to be higher paid than broadcasters. They're better. They're Most, better I mean, at their job. They're so much better. <laughs> they get more into it. It's so much more fun to listen to. Uh, I watched this a video like just yesterday of the Mariners announcer when they hit the walk-off home run to send them to the playoffs for the first time in like 20 years. And just watching that gave me chills and gets me even more ready for baseball season. Because, hell, hey, spring training starts this week, which is exciting. It's it, We got baseball really coming up around the corner, and I'm pumped about it. We have a lot of baseball. We've got, buddy, just just like tournament or whatever you want to call them this weekend – one, two, three, four, five, and six. Not including all the weekend sets that are being played. And we got some really, really good baseball coming up next weekend. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more next week, but there's some there's some really good matchups coming next weekend. But I mean that's I don't know, that's that's about it tonight. Seabear, you de- do you have a lock of the week though? I do have a lock of the week, buddy. What you got? We're going to look at the All-Star game, and we we talked about it before the pod. But we don't have, have a clue who's on whose team. I don't have a clue. Nope. Nobody they, haven't picked, they have the the rosters, like who can be picked, but I think they're picked. Team LeBron and Team Giannis are the team, team captains, whatever. I think they're going to pick before the game starts. So we don't have a clue who's going to be on what team. There is value right now on Team LeBron. After LeBron gets his team, I will go ahead and bank on him being no less than a four-point favorite. What's the dad right now? Two, because nobody knows who's playing. They're just giving LeBron two points. Why do you feel so much better about LeBron than Giannis, though? LeBron's going to pick a better team. If, if you told me LeBron was going to be the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers instead of actually playing basketball, they might be a better basketball team. Honestly, like as crazy as that sounds, they would probably be a better basketball team. Hey, Miss, I, you say that, but I think he had a lot to do with the Russell Westbrook coming there, and that didn't work out. So that's a they very did get rid of him. They did get rid of him, though, so I don't know. They, they were so deep into that, like, they owed him like what was it like thirty something million? It was a lot. They, Too much. They were they were in so deep with him. They had to get him going. Yeah, I will say um, we did miss it, LeBron in the over in the past week, past Kareem as the high score 
of all time in the NBA, which is something you got to talk. I mean, that's you. We can debate the goat later. Um, I say you don't do it until his career is over because you don't really have a clue what it's going to end up being like. But you can't doubt deny the fact that LeBron's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and he's not. The problem, the thing is, is wild is that he's now the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and he's not really a scorer. Right. He's a. That's a very good point, buddy. But he's also played for 20 years. It's impressive. I mean, at, it's... at a high level. So, I mean, and I, I agree with you. There's no reason to get into the GOAT discussion right now because LeBron could possibly play for four or five more years and walk himself out or in the GOAT. Like, you get what I'm saying? He could walk yeah, himself no, out yeah. of the top or walk himself into the top. So there's yeah. no reason to sit here and have the discussion. But the Lakers been going downhill right now. I think they're, they're going to get better after this trade. After the trade deadline, I think they're going to get a lot better. Do you think this carry? You think the confidence that Team LeBron's going to after Team LeBron wins is going to carry over to the Lakers? Is what we're saying? Basically, what I'm telling you is, I don't know what, how to feel about the Lakers. I don't know how to feel about them. That's what I'm telling you. But the main <laughs> thing is, you do feel good about Team LeBron, right? Yeah, hammer them. Because whenever, whenever they know who's the teams, what the teams are going to be, LeBron's immediately going to go to a four or six point favorite. So just buy him right now at the money line. He's four and zero in all stars, while all star games. Why would he lose now? I like it. I like it. So team LeBron minus two, lock of the week. Lock it in now before they pick teams or the odds get worse. So, um, see Bear, good show. Uh, thank you to Aaron again for coming on. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and we will see y'all again next week. LeBron Moneyline. Go hammer LeBron Moneyline. You will not get it at minus 130. Hammer it. Now, bye. See ya. See y'all next week.